experts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you decided to tune in. We skipped the show last week. I was traveling for spring break. It was the first time I actually ventured out in over a year and I was shocked. I was shocked by how many people were out there with me. I went to Florida and uh, we spent the day looking at a college with my daughter and um, and then we headed further south, visit some friends and a couple of clients along the way, too. The school tour was packed. Everybody was doing the right thing. They were wearing their masks. They were keeping the proper distance. Our hotel in Sarasota, it was at 100% occupancy. You needed a reservation for dinner in town. Couldn't just walk in. It, you know, it seemed somewhat, well, normal. And the markets are pricing this in. We're transitioning from a market that was being driven higher by multiple expansion or what people were willing to pay for a dollar of earnings to a market that's being led by earnings growth, or at least the expectation for uh, expectations for earnings growth. But warning, Will Rogers, those optimistic earnings expectations, well, they don't leave much in the way of cushion. Something goes wrong. What might that be? Well, who knows? But I think the biggest risks that are out there now are China slowing down, which it is. And the Fed, well, maybe, maybe they become less accommodative on the back or in the back half of the year. Maybe, just maybe, they start talking about tapering. We've seen some recent blowups because of excessive risk taking. Back in January, it was Melvin Capital and the the GameStop fiasco. More recently, we've seen the uh, Archgos Capital with its leverage bets on Viacom and some others. I guess gone are the days when hedge funds hedged. It's actually pretty unnerving, isn't it? And don't get me started on the SPACs. I've already talked about them a few times. It gets me all riled up. Now, I don't want anyone to get me wrong here. I'm not saying we're going to have a complete meltdown. That's not the case. I don't think that's the case. But a reset would be really nice, wouldn't it? Longer term, I'm saying exactly what I said during my annual outlook back in January and actually even a few months before that on the podcast the show. You can go back and look, I think, probably last April, about a year ago. I think we're at the beginning of a new bull market. Yeah, even a little, even a year after I said it the first time, I think we're at the beginning of a new bull market. So what do you do? In the near term, the market as, as a whole doesn't offer much in the way of a value cushion. But longer term, we could be much higher. And I think we will be. Well, the answer is, is keep working. Keep working to find those reasonably priced stocks. Just because the market might be richly priced doesn't mean all stocks are richly valued. If you're thinking about having someone 
assist you with your financial planning and investment needs, well, please consider us. Our number is 301-770-5234. Once again, 301-770-5234. Or you can send us an email, send it to podcast, which is plural, podcast at xmlfg.com, or even send it directly to me at ewhiteman at xmlfg.com. One stock that I think is reasonably priced is Intel, symbol INTC. It was even more reasonably priced under 50, but today at 66, I still think it's worth a look. I own it, been buying it for for clients. It's one that I've owned for quite a while and we've been adding to it along the way here. It's trading hands right now, as I said, about 66 as I speak. And the analysts are guessing that they're going to earn about $4.75 a share this year. So that means it's trading at about 13, 14 times earnings, somewhere in there. And it's paying a nice 2% dividend. Some analysts are guessing that they're going to earn somewhere around 530 next year. But Intel, you know, they've had a tough run of it over the last few years. They haven't, they just haven't done a good job. There's no way around it. But I'm a believer that the ship is changing directions here. And what a change we've seen over the last six months or so. Back then, six months ago, investors were hoping they'd spend less on capital expenditures and outsource their manufacturing to Taiwan Semiconductor. But a couple of weeks ago, they said that they were going in the opposite direction. No, we're doing something different. They said that they were going to go back to their core manufacturing roots and leverage their manufacturing expertise, both for their internal production and their external production. They're going to make chips for other people. They're going to raise their CapEx and build plants here in the U.S. I love the idea. We are currently witnessing arguably the worst capacity constraints in the semiconductor since the late 90s. And the geopolitical landscape is making it risky to bet solely on Taiwan semiconductors production or and on Taiwan's supply chain in general, the obvious fear being China. So the call to diverse away from Taiwan semi is growing louder and louder each day. Now, Intel, well, Intel just has to execute in what is probably the most friendly environment ever for U.S.-based semiconductor production. I think the market is already starting to recognize some of the potential here, but at 13, 14 times earnings where the stock trades, I still think the stock can go higher. As a matter of fact, I think the semis as a group looks very interesting from a big picture perspective. You probably have heard there's a supply shortage. There's tons of evidence that chips are in short supply across a number of industries. Just look at the car industry. They've been hit really hard. Well, what happened was COVID-19 brought forward all the demand for PCs, laptops, tablets, servers, all kinds of consumer and business electronics because we were all working from home. We had to build new offices. So you had a ton of demand. You still have a ton of demand. And the chip producers, well, they're running their plants 24-7. 
Econ 101 taught us that when you have huge demand and not enough supply, prices should rise. You could look at other uh, semis. Broadcom is one symbol AVGO. It looks fairly reasonable, pays almost a 3% dividend. Micron seems to be one everyone loves, symbol MU. Looks like it's getting ready to go higher, but it's certainly a lot pricier than Intel or Broadcom. Qualcomm, well, they've been in a funk the last couple of months, but if it pulls back even a little bit farther to around 125, I think you could look there. That's symbol QCOM. Micron is MU if I didn't mention it. But when I look at the complete package, the balance sheet, the dividend, the valuation, the opportunities going forward, I got to say, Intel's my favorite in the group. But you have to do your own research, see if it makes sense for you or what makes sense for you. Another one you might want to look at is Unum, symbol U-N-U-M. It's been, climb, uh, it's been climbing higher, but I still think it's interesting. Uh, I'm sorry, the symbol is U-N-M, not U-N-U-M, U-N-M. Got it. Okay, let's move on. Stock's been climbing higher, but I still think it's interesting. The name might sound familiar to you. If it does, it's because they're one of the largest providers of group insurance. According to Unum, one in three Fortune 500 companies offer their benefits to their employees. You know, the things like disability insurance, division insurance, dental insurance. They're also the parent company of Colonial Life. You might have seen their commercials on TV. But most of their insurance premiums come from things like group disability, group life, and then the supplemental and volunteer, uh, voluntary lines. You know, those are the things like the dental and the vision. And over the last 10 years, Unum has been trying to shift their business mix to include more of these supplemental and voluntary products because, well, they're more profitable. But let's face it, let's get to the bottom line here. Insurance is a commodity type business. So if you're trying to build a moat around the business or come up with some significant type of competitive advantage, well, it's going to be pretty darn difficult. Most of your, uh, most of your customers are motivated by price. But with that said, Unum has developed a pretty solid position in the industry. And they've had a decent operating history in both good and bad times. Now, this isn't going to be some sort of unbelievable, incredible, amazing earnings growth story. Nope, not going to happen. Well, I guess it could, but I don't think it's going to happen. Over the last 10 years, they've grown their earnings on average 7.5% per year. That's pretty decent. Same thing over the last five years. They've grown their earnings 7.5% per year on average. I'm guessing that they're going to grow somewhat less than that. This past year was just horrible. Everyone knows that. But I think going forward, they're not going to grow that fast. I'm going to haircut it down. So let's just call it 3%. I think they're going to grow 3% per year going into the, uh, over the next five years. But then you have the dividend. And the dividend is a big part of the story here. Right now, it's just north of about 4%. And that's less than 25% of their net profit. So they're paying out less than 25% of what they earn in the dividend. So they have plenty of room to increase that dividend if they want it to. 
just looking at that or just thinking about that, you can figure out, well, Unum probably generates a tremendous amount of free cash flow. They do. Most of the time, they generate more cash than reported earnings. So Unum, symbol U-N-M, got it right that time, is going to use that cash to pay that healthy dividend. But they also use a good bit of that cash to buy back their own stock. Although this year they've stopped it for obvious reasons. But over the last 10 years, they've been buying back stock on average of about 5% per year. And I would expect them to start that back up and do the same into the future. So let me put put this all together for you because I've been talking about earnings, the dividend buybacks, and I don't think I even mentioned that it trades at an insanely low price to earnings multiple. Unum's changing hands at about five times earnings. And over the last 10 years, it's averaged more like seven or eight times earnings. Okay, this is what I'm thinking. I'm expecting Unum to generate earnings per share of about $5.25 this year. So based on that, the stock is currently trading at a P.E. ratio of just five times earnings. So we're not paying exorbitant sums here. This is a cheap stock. My guess is that it should trade closer to six or seven times earnings, probably seven, maybe even eight, which means expansion of the P.E. multiple could add about 10% annually to returns over the next five years. When you combine it with a 3% growth rate and a 4% dividend, you're coming up 17% total return. If I'm right, well, as I said, that's a pretty nice, pretty nice return. If the multiple doesn't expand, well, then you end up with a company that's growing 3% and paying a 4% dividend. So that's a 7% total return. My point is, is there's a lot of ways you can get a decent return here. And I think you're getting that ample margin of safety when you're paying five times earnings. I don't think they're going to go bankrupt anytime soon. I think you can buy this one under $27. But let me also be clear. This isn't one I want to own forever. Just looks like a decent company that's really inexpensive. I think Unum is very interesting. This is a company that I talked about during my annual outlook, one of the seven. Coming up in mid-June, I'll go ahead and I'll do a mid-year update. We'll do a webinar or something. And I'll update you on the seven stocks that I talked about. And I'll give you my thoughts on the market in general. We'll take some questions. So stay tuned for more info on that. We'll get some more. Uh, we'll get more information out as we get closer to that date. Okay, we have to go. Remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. I'm Eric Whiteman. This has been Opposites Investing. to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talk about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and are not necessarily those of the XML Financial Group. 
I typically own and trade the securities I'm discussing, both personally and for my clients, but not all of them. Likewise, employees of XML and our affiliate broker-dealer may be trading and providing advice regarding the securities I mentioned to their clients as well. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, you should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I suggest you get someone who's qualified in those areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. I like to make projections and other forward-looking statements, which are just that, opinions, and are not actual results and are only valid as of the date of this recording. Things change constantly. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.